Hello, and welcome to the Southeast Students Podcast. Here you can find all of the teachings from our special series in middle school group and high school group. Our goal as a ministry is to guide young people into a personal relationship with Jesus and train them to become like Him. We pray that these teachings help you to do just that. You're listening to our study through the book of Acts. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. Context of tonight, Herod killed the Apostle James and put Peter in prison, and then there's this whole thing that happens. Peter gets miraculously let out. It's incredible. So all of a sudden, we get to the spot where your Herod's kind of like the, the featured person of the evening. So who is Herod? There's actually six Herods mentioned in the Bible, all of which are not really great guys. I don't need to go into it, but basically there's the Herod. Do you guys remember like when Jesus, all of a sudden, wise men come, they talk to Herod, and he's like, oh, he has all the newborn babies killed. Really sad story. And um, so there's that Herod. There's the Herod that talks to John the Baptist, and he's like hanging out with him, and all of a sudden he has John the Baptist killed. And then he's also, that's the same Herod that ends up uh, talking with Jesus before Jesus has his trial and everything. And then there's this Herod. There's another brother Herod. There's a lot going on. So there's this whole family of Herods. This is Herod Agrippa. There's a Herod, Herod Agrippa II later in the book of Acts. But this, this big family thing going on. What are you doing over there? I'm opening a breath. Okay, there you go. Um, but what's interesting is when you learn about who Herod is, all of a sudden you start understanding it's like, this guy had a lot of people around him, a lot of people in power, and a lot of the people who were around him were not good people either. They were not good dudes. And so uh, within his family. And... Herod before this also had like the people that were watching Peter. This is this this is this Herod. The people who were watching Peter had them killed because they let Peter get away. Basically, that's how he thought of it. And so, so this really sets kind of the stage for tonight. So I'm just going to hop right into it. Verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their territory, their country, depended on the king's country for food. So Herod was ticked off with these people. So they come to him and they try to fix things because he was their meal ticket. Uh, they get Blastus, kind of an unfortunate name, by the way. Uh, his personal assistant on their side talk him into it. And so he decided to speak with them or speak to them. He, he gives this speech. So verse 21 and on the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an ordination to them. So all of a sudden, he puts on these robes. Really interesting. A historian from that time named Josephus wrote about this day. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read that really quick. So this is Josephus. This, this dude, not a believer as far as we know. He just was writing about accounts and things happening at that time. But here's what he writes about it. He says, on the second day of these shows, he put on a garment wholly made of silver and of its conjecture truly wonderful and came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of this garment being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays upon it, shone out after a surprising manner and was so resplendent as to the spread amazement over that those that looked upon it intently. So it's like all of a sudden... He comes out, he has this robe thing that's made completely of silver, kind of a showing of wealth, I would think. 
And then everyone's like, oh my gosh, oh, it's blood in my eyes. Like it's so, this, this robe or whatever he's wearing. Well, it's really interesting because then all of a sudden it goes on from there in verse 22. And the people were shouting the voice of God and not a man after he gave this, this speech to them. So all of a sudden people are just loving this guy. They're loving Herod. They're like literally shouting his name. They're like, he's like a God. We just love him so much. Well, he had these four sources of pride. And I just, tonight, you know, I was thinking of, because I really think what Herod's downfall here is pride. And he had, you know, power. He was a king. He had position because of his family and wealth. And he's, you know, kind of doing this flex by showing like his, his shiny robe or whatever that's made completely out of silver. And apparently he had some type of talent because he was able to speak well and he got the people's favor. Not sure if they were just saying that he spoke like this because they wanted him to continue to feed them or if they actually thought he was super. But anyways, pretty sold on himself. Quick story. I actually shared this story with Stephen and the other leaders when they were at my house the other night. So as a teenager, I was a pretty cocky kid. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Before I came to know the Lord, actually very cocky. And then it seemed like the Lord kept doing things in my life to kind of pull me out of this again and again. So one day, go to work. Cherry Farm, I was telling you guys about that I worked at. So I go to work and something like snagged my shorts midway through the day and ripped my short leg like from here all the way up. And I was like, you know what? Praise the Lord. I'm working by myself. No one's going to see me. I'll end my day. I'll go home, change my shorts. Well, all of a sudden, the boss and the owner of our farm, he pulls up in his pickup truck and he's like, Josh, get in the truck. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, he was hardcore into like the Tour de France and bicycling and all this stuff. And he wanted me to get into it because I had the hips of a six-year-old girl and was super skinny and looked like I was made to ride bicycles. And so he's like, dude, he's like, Josh, we're going to the bike shop. I was like, really? And he doesn't know I have this hole in my shorts at this point either. And I'm like, really? We're going to the bike shop? He's like, yeah, I want you to meet my friend, Dave Zimbelman. He holds time trial records for the whole world in a couple events. I was like, like some famous guy. I'd have heard of him before, but to me, I'm 16 years old and super intimidated that now I'm going to go meet this guy. So I go into the bike shop, kind of doing like this kind of thing, trying to avoid, but I still have a massive hole in my pants. And um, all of a sudden, my friend Gary, he goes up to Dave. He's like, Dave, so good to see you. I want you to meet my friend. And with the hole in my pants and just my complete shame, I go... Hi, my name is Dave. And he goes, really? Your name's Dave? I was like, well, no, actually, it's Josh. And I'm just so nervous. Oh, my gosh. I, like, wilted, fell apart, never went back to that bike shop again because I was so embarrassed. I, like, walked out of the store, tried to avoid. Well, I think there was some level of stuff like that happened to me, not trying to overread into it. But it's like, they were, they were humbling experiences. Well, all of a sudden, you see where, right here, not to completely compare, but Herod, dude, this guy felt like he had absolutely everything going for him. And so much pride. Well, all of a sudden, look at verse 23. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give the glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last what? Oh <laughs> Did anyone see this coming? And so the first time I was reading through the book of Acts, I'm like, holy crap. Like, what just happened? So um, 
Uh, I heard someone say he was corrupt from the inside out, so he died and was eaten from the inside out. Josephus, the historian, actually says that he died slowly over the course of five days, right in that section I was just reading to you guys from. And so it looks like all of a sudden he's like gives this speech, and then he has this horrible pain start in his stomach. So when it says like that the angel, uh, let's see, it says there at the beginning of 23, the Lord struck him down, or the angel of the Lord struck him down. It doesn't mean like he died necessarily on the spot, but all of a sudden he got like this sickness. And then slowly over the course of this next five days, he ends up dying. And we know it was some type of like weird flesh-eating worm. I know, super gross. And you guys are like, Josh, this is the last message you're going to give to us before you leave next week. No, but there is something here where it's like really bizarre. But I also think there is something for us to learn from this tonight. So why do you guys think this happened? Why did this happen? Because he wasn't giving glory to God. Amen. There we go. Because he took the glory that belonged to God alone. Why do you think? Because stuff like this kind of happens through the Bible. People, you know, have a misconception of like who God is and who they are. And, but you see where God redeems a lot of those people. Why do you think in this instance, the guy all of a sudden gets struck down by the angel of the Lord and then ends up dying? Totally. I do think that's a huge piece of it. Yeah. I think in some ways, and this isn't because God just is like waiting for her to do something wrong and then, wham! No, he's not doing that. Like, I think God actually is doing this to even show grace to other people yeah. as well. And so that's a good answer. Who else? Somebody else out there? Hand up. Cody? I did, yeah, I was, I was just going to state that it says that his, his uh, voice of God was not, and it, it's, I'm going to not. You good? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to not. Good. Anyone else? What do you think was going on here in this instance? Why does why does it seem like this is like a really drastic example? No one? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. I do think that there's something to what you're saying, Elijah, for sure. I think there's like all of a sudden you see this example set for other people. We say that that happens to the Old Testament. It actually says we have a commentary by Paul about stuff happened in the Old Testament it says, hey, this was an example set for you, so you wouldn't also go down this path. And he's talking about like the children of Israel. So I think there's that, but I think there's also a piece of it. I think God was very gracious to Herod before this. Like Herod was an evil dude. And I think there was a lot of chances for Herod to turn back to God. I don't think this was like the first time Herod ever sinned and all of a sudden, no, he's turned, like he, God just kills him on the spot. You know, because Herod was this ruler of Judea, and so he knew the law. He knew about God. He knew what he should be doing. But he was a wicked man, and it seems like there's a complete lack of repentance on his part. And and then God says also in Isaiah, and I can actually, I'm just going to flip there really quick. But I thought this was, and it says in Isaiah, I'm the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other. And so it's like, God's like, I'm not going to share the glory with anyone else. So all of a sudden when Herod's like, yeah, I think it, it almost kind of feels like, I don't know. It seems like they're like, oh, he's like the voice of God. It's like, oh, stop. So, okay, okay, okay. You know, all of a sudden it's like this self-reliance, this pride that Herod has, that it, it gets the best of him in a supernatural way. It's like he kind of felt invincible and all of a sudden God shows him. like, no, you, you're just a man. Like you are not immortal. And so I'm sure, like I said, that God 
wanted him to repent. He, he had given him chances. But Herod was prideful. What is really pride at its core? Anyone? Dave? Thinking of yourself highly than, more highly than you should. Yeah, that's, a good, that's actually a really good definition. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, that's a big piece of pride. Actually, I read a definition, but it was supposed to be like pride and like a positive light. And, it's, and it said that. It said thinking of yourself a little better than others. <laughs> I was like, wow. And so, who good? Uh, ignorance. Ignorance? It can be, yeah. Because you have a misconception, so there's ignorance in it. Yeah. It could be. Anyone else? Pride. No? Yeah, I think there's a lot of it. It's like thinking of yourself too highly and having a wrong conception of yourself. I think in contrast, though, is understanding, you know, what is humility as well. And so um, someone actually argued that pride is really the first sin that happens in the Bible. It's like before Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And I'm not going to go way too far down this path, but I do think there's something interesting to it. It's like before they ever ate the fruit, there was like this self-reliance. So like, we can do this. We don't need God. Like God is not enough for us. We need to do something on our own. And I do think there's this level where it's like you see that through the Bible. It's like when people try to step out and do their own thing and walk away from God, where it will take them many times has really painful consequences. And I've seen that in my own life of what I've done. And I can see, man, where my pride gets in the way of what God's trying to do in my life. And I harden my heart. And then also like people around me, when they get prideful, it's like, oh my gosh, man, like seeing where that can even lead people and how they won't accept advice. There's like a lot of things that come with that. And so I do actually want to go ahead and you just contrast it. And I'm not trying to get ahead because I know that Liam or somebody's going to be teaching this in a couple weeks, but I thought they're paralleled so well that it was worth saying. So go ahead and just flip to Acts 14. And I think there's a reason that these are right back to back, by the way. So Acts 14 this is Paul and Barnabas, and it says, Now, Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprung up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lystonian, or however you say that, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus whose temple was at the entrance to the city brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Paul and Barnabas, when this response happens, what's actually really interesting is, you know, they're with uh, Herod. They're like, he's, he's the voice of a God. And he takes it and accepts it. And you see where he's trying to destroy really like the Christians, but in, he ends up becoming destroyed because of his own pride. But you see where Paul and Barnabas very similar. They're like, these guys are like the gods. Not only do they just proclaim it, they're actually getting ready to like offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. And, they're like, and they completely react differently. They go out, rip their clothes. They're like, no, we're just mere men. And not only do they say we're not God, but they actually point them to the gospel and who Jesus is 
true humility is coming under the authority of God. It's not just saying, hey, I'm a horrible person or I hate myself or anything like that. I think that's a false humility that we find a lot in our culture where it's like people just rag on themselves or they just, you know, think, you know, I'm the worst thing ever. But I heard a pastor say this a couple years ago and it really stood out to me as like the, the gospel, the good news of it is that I'm not thinking more highly of myself or necessarily lower myself. I'm just thinking of myself a whole lot less. And it's like the focus comes off of us. The focus is now on the Lord. And I'm so thankful for that. And it's just really not, not this self-reliance. And another example I thought Liam did, because when he was teaching the middle schoolers this on Sunday, an example that he gave that I thought was so good is there with Peter, guys. One of the like most prideful guys through the Gospels. And Jesus is so gracious towards him. Jesus is like trying to bring Peter along. But there at the Last Supper when Jesus is like, hey, you guys are going to like split once things get rough. And Peter stands up. He's like, these guys might do that, but I will never leave you. And then Jesus says to him, no, no, Peter, like you're going to deny me three times. And then after it happens, Jesus actually restores him. We see God's grace in this where Jesus restores Peter. And it's this beautiful picture. Well, all of a sudden, Jesus now is restored as an apostle. Later in Peter, he says, you know, humble yourselves before the Lord. I think it's beautiful how in scripture it says again and again, it says, or it gives this message of like, you know, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's like, guys, we want to walk in God's grace and his favor and in fellowship with him. And pride will completely destroy that. And I can think of, and I alluded to this a couple weeks ago when I gave my testimony, but even like for myself, and I'll, I won't, you know, be well at this point, but even for myself, when I was in college, before I started, there was this part of me where I was like, I want to be like the absolute best student. And I loved the director of the school, and I really looked up to him. I was like, I want him to always talk to other students and people and be like, man, Josh was like the example student that we want people to be like. That's just honest in my pride. Well, then, in contrast, like, man, guys, I had it such a rough year in time while I was there that it got to the point where the director, the person I was looking up to, actually sat me down. I was like, hey, Josh, if things don't turn around, your grades don't shift, you're either going to get sent home or you just won't be able to walk on graduation day. And, like, so all of a sudden, like, this, all of these things I was putting stock in and, like, this is where my identity was found and all this stuff was crumbling and falling apart. But instead of, you know, and I lost a lot of things where I felt like it was, like, that, that position and, you know, I thought I could rely on even, like, my smarts and everything like that. When all that was falling apart, the Lord was giving me that invitation to come closer and draw closer to him. And I think for you guys tonight, I want to just give you this. I think really kind of wisdom the Lord's taught me because stuff is going to happen and come up, but like your reaction is so important and like how you react to those things. And is it going to be in humility or is it going to be in pride? You know, are we going to accept God's grace? Are we going to harden our hearts? And I even think of, you know, just with instruction and obedience from the Lord, it's like when I don't want to, follow the Lord, I don't want to obey him, like, it's a totally a self-sufficiency on my part, and not wanting to follow him, it's like, no, God, I got this, I can do this, it's a self-reliance, but that's not of God, guys, and I, and I think the quicker you can call that out and see that in your own life, the better, but yeah, I just want to leave it at that, that verse where, man, God resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble, and we want to walk in that. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southeast Students Podcast. 
If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out more online by visiting our website at ccscportland.com. Hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. Peace.